Welcome to the Good News Program. This program is brought to you by a group of businessmen from several different denominations, Christian denominations. And it's called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship in Canada. Mm -hmm. We're not a church, but we're very supportive of churches. And what we do at our banquets where we meet in restaurants or hotels once a month or so, we have one or two men share their personal testimonies, much like you're going to hear today from my friend Milan here, uh, of what God's done in their life today, not just 2,000 years ago. And then we go back to our own denomination, whichever it happens to be, and try to be a better member of that denomination. So I invite you to stay tuned, call your friends, and have them tune in on a good testimony. Milan Posetnik, thank good you. Good morning. Thank you for coming and sharing what God has done in your life. All right. Now, you come from the St. Paul area, Fort McMurray area? Well, no, I um, actually, um, I live in Saskatoon now. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, uh, I came to Canada in 1983. But before that, I was born in, um, under communism, you know, in uh, Czechoslovakia, I used to be called. Now, it's called Czech Republic. Yes. 1961, that's when I was born. Yes. What was life like there? Well, I tell you something. Uh, Life was very different eh, than to what we have here in Canada, North America. You know, um, communism was what I would um, call nowadays, um, when I look at it, uh, dictatorship. Mm -hmm. You know, when you live behind the fence and you cannot get out and you cannot speak up what's in your heart or how you see things, um, that's the dictatorship. You know, it don't matter how they call it, that's how I call it. You must have found that very hard. Uh, when I was young, it didn't bother me really because I didn't know any better. But as I, when you come into your teenage years, you know, and you start kind of looking at life a little different, you start looking for answers. And, um, you know, I, they were not giving me no answers. And I knew there's something different behind the fence, you know. And I got involved at a young age. I was a, a motorcycle enthusiast, fanatic kind of, you know, and um, started with a little. 50cc things, you know, without the license on the back roads, you know, kind of illegally. And uh, once I got my license and motorcycle license, well, um, my dream was to, um, to get a Harley Davidson motorcycle. That was my dream because when I was at age uh, about 12, a friend of mine invited me to come to a, a movie theater. And uh, they played an American movie which was very unusual under communism. It was called Electroglide in Blue. When I saw that movie, when I saw that, uh, you know, part of the movie I will just mention here, uh, that changed my life. You know, it, uh, it totally changed my life at that time. And um, it was basically a movie about the good guys, bad guys, and, you know, the state troop on the highway someplace in the interstate in Arizona, parked this motorcycle on the side of the road, and it was Harley Davidson. When I saw the picture of, it, you know, the chrome and so on, it was just like, Something happened, something started happening in my life, and of course, um, you know, uh, and the police guy was going to chase the bad guy, you know, he just walked over, he put his helmet on and his glasses and his perfect, you know, jacket, leather jacket, and, and he hit that button, you know, electric start and the rumble of that engine, and it's like my blood was boiling, and I said, I pointed it to the screen, and I said, I'm going to have that, I am going to have that, that was age 12. By age 17 or 16, I had my first Harley Davidson. It was an old one from World War II. And like they say, they leak oil and break down. Yeah, that was the case. A couple months into it, the motor exploded, and that was the end of it. I was very depressed. Didn't know what to do, but 
You know, uh, when you focused and committed on something, three and a half years later, that thing was running and it was better than brand new. And I spent uh, hundreds or thousands of hours on it. I just never done project ever since like that. And uh, that was my life. That's what I believed. But I needed to get out of communism, and that took me mm -hmm. actually a few years. It was nearly impossible. Uh, it was kind of impossible, I say, but uh, you know, that drive in my heart to get out uh, just was so strong. I, I could not, that's all I was thinking about. That's all I was consumed with. And I always wanted to have that blue electroglide. Yes. It was my dream, you know. And um, yeah, so. Um, so how, how did you get out? Well, you know, I tried many different things to uh, get out, and I, I applied, and the system was set up that you just cannot make it, even with the application process, like, you just cannot make it, right? But, um, you know, it was who you know, and, you know, so that, that worked, and corruption was very strong there, too, but that still wasn't enough. And tell you honestly, now I'm going to, you know, confess here on television, you know, if you never met the communist, I am ex-communist, because... I applied for so many years and I could not get out. You know, and I realized that there's no way to get out unless you join the Communist Party. So at age of 21 or so, I decided, you know what, there's only one way to get out. I have to join these people. I don't want, didn't want to have nothing to do with them. And so I joined the Communist Party and, you know, I still remember that big paperwork I had to sign. There was that, you know, the Russian hammer and the sickle, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. in red, you know. And, and so I signed that and, you know what, um, that basically opened up the doors out of communism. It and really worked. So you, you it used really this? worked. Within about a year and a half, I don't remember exact. Within a couple of years, I was out. Amazing. Me, me and my brother. Amazing. I was 22, and my brother was 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's amazing. So when you came out, uh, where did you end up moving? Well, we ended up in um, we, we ended up in. Um, um, in the refugee camp in, in Austria. And you know, I tell people, you know, there's been such a political thing about the refugees nowadays. And you know, I can kind of relate to that. You know, I came from different country. I couldn't speak the language. And you know, I tell you something, I, um, when you're in a refugee camp, um, then you end up there for whatever reason, uh, usually majority of times you cannot go home because you will be locked in jail, you will be beaten or you will be killed. Okay, so you have no hope. These people have no hope. And they are searching for something better than where they came out of. And I always tell people, you know, when, when you see these things on TV, don't just quickly judge it. Just maybe pause on that channel and just maybe pray over these people because they need hope, they need future. Their families maybe got slaughtered or they in jail and so on, right? And so, um, you know, I lived through refugee camp and, and um, that kind of affected me in some ways of maybe more compassion and understanding of that, right? Yes. And so we ended up in that refugee camp um, a little south of Vienna, that was Austria country, you know. Um, Nick, it's in Europe, and um, me and my brother ended up there, and we applied for, um, with Canadian Embassy, you know, we, to come to Canada. Someone told us that Canada was perhaps taking some refugees, you know, in the 80s, and so we sent the application in, and, and you know, we applied. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long did it take you to get the uh, permission to move to Canada? Well, you know, at that time, it's, I see, today I will say I see hand of God in it. At that time, I thought it was all my works, you know. And, um, you know, we were there only a total of three months. How it happened that after a couple of months, we had interview already, 
we went up for interview to Vienna and uh, they didn't allow me and my brother to go in at the same time they you know the the Canadian guy you know the ambassador was conducting the interview I couldn't speak no English so there was a translator and he asked me a question he said um, you know, in, in Austria, you couldn't work because we didn't have what's called social insurance in Canada. We didn't have the Arbeit card. And um, it was illegal to work, and they told us not to work. Not Canadians, but the Austrian government said, you're a refugee, you cannot work. Well, well we worked. We worked, me and my brother, every day. We were used to work, hard work, you know, from the old country, and we always found the jobs, we always worked, you know, and so on, and we were raised that way. And, so when I had an interview with the, with the Canadian ambassador, he asked me a question. He said, um, you know, he said, why do you want to come to Canada? So I kind of told him, you know, a story, and I kind of told him um, the reasons and the freedom, you know, and what I'm searching, and, and the motorcycles too, and so on. And, and so it went through the translator, it came back, and the question was again, uh, why do you want to come to Canada? And I'm thinking, well, I just explained myself. Yeah, yeah. I just, just explain myself, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. But anyway, I, I tried again. I spiced it up the story again. You know, you do whatever you can because that's your only hope. You know. And did I lie at that time? Well, I will confess here today. Uh, yes, I did. You know. What did you lie about? Well, maybe I used something incorrectly. I um, heard in the refugee camp that you know, if you were prosecuted as a Christian in under communism, which people were, I was not one of them because I was not a Christian. That, that really helped, you know, with the immigration paperwork and process and so on. So I used it up. I made a kind of story that, you know, our family was prosecuted over Christianity and so on. I did not believe in God. I did not believe in Jesus Christ. Nothing like that. You know, I just used it. It was mm -hmm. the right spice, you know, for that right meal eh, at the time. And so anyhow, um, you know, I, I told him this, and third time he comes back at me, and he says, well, why do you want to come to Canada? I almost fell down off of the chair. I didn't know what to tell him anymore. Yeah. Right? Then he looks at me, and the translator tells me, he says, well, he says, okay, um, and do you work? And I go, oh. I knew it was illegal to work, huh? And um, I said, well, um, Something told me in my heart, you know, tell him the truth. Which under communism, <laughs> you lied all the time, right? We were raised that way. And somehow I did, I told him the truth. I said, uh, I, I told the translator, I said, um, yes, I, I work. And he says, how much you work? I said, well, I work every day. Since I've been here pretty much so every day, right? And you know what he said? He says, show me your hands. Well, we were doing such a manual labor, I had bloody blisters on my hands. And I showed him that, you see, you couldn't hide that. Eh? And I thought, uh-oh, now that's it, eh? I'm done. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, it looks like you might be able to make it. You might be able to go to Canada. Looks like there is a possibility you might be able to get in. But with your brother, it's not going to happen. It doesn't look like we're going to be able to take him too. And you know, something happened in my heart. I look at him, and as much as I've done for years, I was dreaming about this moment. This was my moment of my life. And I look at him, and I said, I told the translator, I said, can you please tell him that I'm so thankful that it looks like I will get accepted to come to Canada. It's a pretty absolute privilege for me. But I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. I said, uh, this is my brother, and we escaped together. We left the country together. This is my brother. It's my family. I said, I'm not going anywhere without my brother. 
That's what I told him. So I'm not going without my brother. And then I then they say, okay, well, well, didn't say nothing, and I had to leave, you know. My brother was in next. Well, they did the same thing with him. Huh? <laughs> I guess what? Two weeks later, we get a in the refugee camp. We get a mail, huh? you know, and all my buddies were opening up mail, and you know, once one guy said, I'm going to Vancouver. The other guy said, um, I'm going to um, I'm going to Calgary. I'm going to um, to Ontario someplace, you know, um, Vancouver, not um, Toronto, you know, and. So we looked on the little map we had in the refugee camp, and we saw Toronto, Calgary, you know, we saw Vancouver, you know, and, and then me and my brother opens the envelopes, you know, and, and we look on that, and it said something like Fort McMurray, Alberta. And <laughs> buddies were saying, so where are you guys going? You guys, you guys going? So, yeah, oh yeah, we, where are you going? Look at the map, nobody could find out, you know. I was kind of a little sudden in my heart, I was mm -hmm. a little almost depressed. I go, I don't know where I'm going. It's not even on the map. Right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, I tell you, it was the best thing whatever happened. Yes. The best thing whatever happened. Yeah. So now you're in Fort McMurray. Yes. Um, was uh, life what you expected it to be in Canada when you arrived there? Well, when I arrived in Fort McMurray, I couldn't even uh, say, uh, I couldn't even say, um, um, I couldn't even smile in English. That's how bad it was. I couldn't say a word of English. Uh -huh. We used to go in, the, and the, the government put us in the hotel. It used to be called Peter Pond Hotel, some people might know. And so we stayed for one week, and they got things organized for us so we can go to school and learn the language, you know, yes. help us with uh, English level one. And, and, um, and the first thing what I did when I was at the hotel, I opened the phone book, and I was looking if there is a motorcycle store. That was my, was my god, you know. And I, yellow pages, I found it was called Vitwin Cycle, Harley-Davidson. I was like, for me, that was like, oh, wow, there is a Harley-Davidson store, you know, it yeah, was good, yeah. right? And so anyhow, um, what happened, um, you know, uh, we, we started going to uh, take, take the English, started learning the English, and then, you know, um, Got the first job, me and my brother, we were electricians, you know, and in 1983, 84, actually summer of 84, the economy was still okay up there, right? The oil price was good and they were building houses, we did lots of residential, so that's how it all started, you know, that's how we started, yeah. Good, good. So, okay, uh, moving forward to that, uh, you ended up with a, did you meet a girlfriend or a wife or anything? Or? Well, you know, I, um, that's kind of, um, yeah, that's a kind of um, interesting topic. Yeah, I lived with somebody for about seven years, and I have to say that uh, the girl, um, she, you know, she wanted to get married, and, and she wanted to have a child, and, you know, to be totally honest, I was not into it at all. I only used her as a crutch for my weaknesses and for <laughs> sexual things, whatever, but, you know, I was not genuinely into the relationship at that time. I was not ready for that whatsoever. And when she started kind of pushing it the way of marriage, you know, I made the false promises and I said it a couple of years ahead and so on. Of course, two years goes by quick, you know, and, and all of a sudden she was expecting to, for the seriousness here, and I bailed out of it. I, I, I am not happy and I'm not proud of that whatsoever. Our relationship fell apart and after that I said, that's it, I'm done in life, you know, and I, I owned a motorcycle store at that time, you know, and, uh, and um, she helped me to build it up. My brother partially was in it too in the beginning and later on, and, and um, you know, my dream was happening, you know, the, you know, not only having a motorcycle, Harley Davidson, mm -hmm. not only one, but having a couple and so on, buying the old army parts again, you know, and all these things I started doing again, and, you know, and I started building it up, you know, and, and um, 
you know, that was my passion, that was my life, that was my, what I would call, you know, God, you know. And, um, but what was happening, you know, there was, uh, as life went on, you know, there was one question I kind of, from time to time, you know, this question surfaced in my mind, you know, like, one, one day you will die, like, and I realized, okay, my dad passed away, you know, it was 1988, you know, early age, age 52 he was. And so, you know, the question comes to you. Um, I'm going to one day die, like, where do I'm going to end up? And you know, I could never answer that question. I could never, I always thought to myself, well, you know, I never really raped or killed anybody. Like some people in the newspaper on TV, you know, like, there's such a thing as heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. I think I should end up in, I'm thinking about heaven maybe, you know, maybe if there's such a place, but that's about as far as I could go with that question. Mm-hmm. I didn't have 100% answer. And as the business I was building, I was growing from nothing into, you know, millions of dollars late after, um, you know, I was shipping containers overseas and a snowmobile uh, dealership with my brother we built and, and Skidoo, Sidoo, whatever, and boats. And we were doing all these things. I was doing all these things and things were growing, but inside was something happening. It was something missing. So you had the things of this world, but you were empty inside. I was empty inside. I didn't know what it was. You see, I, yeah. from the old country, I was used to... Um, you know, if there's some sort of, you just drink. You know, yeah. you drink, you know, that's what you do, eh? Yeah, there's a saying that I think that if you chase after emptiness, you will be empty. <laughs> well, it let me like... tell you a story about that. So I did, I, 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 I you know, I, I tried all these things. I tried, you know, various uh, sexual relationships and, and I tried, uh, uh, you know, the drinking and partying. I came to Canada, I was introduced to drugs, you know, motorcycles that kind of sometimes goes together for some people. And, you know, you always, it, it seems like it sounds good. It gives you some sort of relief and patch on inside of your heart, but next day you get up in the morning and the guilt and filth moves in and you feel absolutely horrible. You feel absolutely horrible, right? So Milan, I know that today you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that changed, but how, how did you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ? What happened? Well, what happened that the guy who actually originally introduced me to cocaine, uh-huh. okay, uh, his name was uh, Don Minard. Uh, we used to call him Trooper. He was a motorcycle mechanic at the shop before me, before I took over in Fort McMurray. And he introduced me, him and his buddies, they introduced me to some stuff, you know, what's not totally uh, legit or legal. I didn't, well, I did what they did. And anyway, he, he really ended up down in the gutter. He lost his job with the oil company. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost his friends. Nobody wanted to hang out with him. He used to be my very close friend. And we parted because he became an animal. The drugs did him. And he ended up in gutter. He, he ended up homeless. He ended up mm-hmm. dumb. Mm-hmm. And then he left town. Fort McMurray, which was good because really nobody wanted to really hang out with him no more. It was not the mm-hmm. person to hang out with. The drugs completely changed it. Yeah. But he came back a few years later. Listen to this. He came back a few years later. And one of my customers tells me, he says, did you hear a trooper came back to uh, Fort McMurray? I said, well, uh, yeah, I heard something. He says, well, he says, you know, he's, uh, he's apparently a Christian motorcycle, uh, motorcycle rider now, you know, yeah, with yeah. the Christian Motorcycle Association. Yeah. And I remember I had a long hair, long beard, you know, <laughs> leaning on the counter like this. And I said, you know what? 
I think he needed something like that. I think that's good for him, you know. So just to cut the short story, yes. uh, the story short because we're going to run out of time. Okay. You ended up at a meeting, and what happened at that meeting? He invited me into a meeting with some people. It was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I didn't want to be there. It was a North American church, you know, some different kind of domination. Never seen that. You know, I was raised, you know, the old school, you know, marble floors, you know, painted pictures, Virgin Mary, Jesus on the cross. I walk into this church. They invited me. Jesus was missing. Oh, no, Jesus on the cross, you know, it looked kind of funny set up. I told my girlfriend, my other new girlfriend, she's my wife now, thank God. Um, I said, you know, we're not going to hang out here. I said, um, they asked us to come, we came, let's sit in the back corner next to the exit light and we're going to get out of here when they start. When they started, Jesus walked in, something happened in my heart. I watched the drama, all five or six parts, and it was my life, it was my life. I said, how do they know my life? This was about my life. And on the end of the story, they show and explain in greatest detail to what needs to happen in this life to end up in heaven or, you know, hell. The man went up with the microphone on the end of it, and he says, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, please stand up. Me and my girlfriend, we were so messed up. Both of us stood up like that. Well, what happened here? We're walking through the aisle of the church towards the altar. I wanted to go there. I didn't know why. I didn't understand nothing. And she says to me, why, why, why? You don't have to do it for me. I said, I'm doing it for myself. And we, got, we accepted Lord. We asked him to come into our heart. And forgive us of our sins. And I'm going to tell you something, my brother. That was the change of my life. And my, my girlfriend, she's my wife now. Uh, life, completely. What were some of the main changes that, that happened, uh, Milan? I don't have desire to party in the way of uh, <laughs> buying. A, a, when I used to go to a liquor store, it wasn't only like a case of beer. There had to be bottles, of, additional bottles and so on. I have absolutely no desire to drink. That I have did, absolutely no desire to do drugs. That left you? that the Lord set me free. I was addicted to sexual things for 40 years. For 40 years. I couldn't let go. I tried so hard. I'm going to tell you. I tried so hard to become good in that department of sexual things. But I tried so hard. I was good for a few weeks. And then again, you know, did something wrong, right? And only the Lord Jesus Christ was able to set me free of that. I couldn't. That's same thing with the alcohol. Same thing with everything. He set me free of all these things. All the things that I never wanted to do anymore, it didn't work. You did the things you didn't want to do. Exactly. Even though you wanted to do the right things, you ended up doing the wrong things. Yes. Scripture talks about that. Mm. And Jesus is the one who set you free, isn't it? Amen to that, brother. I you, amen to that. You know, there's a lot of people watching this program who are facing the very same problems you are to some degree or another. They're doing the things they don't want to do, uh, and they've tried to break free of it. Would you look into that camera that's right behind me All here right. and lead the people in a prayer, much like you prayed, to commit their lives to Jesus Christ that he can work from the inside and help set them free too? Absolutely. I'll just tell you one thing. You're watching this program today, and it's not a coincidence. Uh, you know, the Lord has everything lined up, and, you know, it's not coincidence that I'm sitting here either today. And I just want to tell you the truth. I tried everything what this world offered, plus a lot more. And I ended up in a place where I wanted to die. And I was so close to dying, it's not even funny. I know where you are, but I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is that you can accept Jesus into your, your heart. And I will help you. If you repeat these words, the Lord will set you free. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. 
Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Set me free. Set me free. Of all the filth. Of all the filth. And all the pain. And all the pain. What I'm carrying in my heart. What I'm carrying in my heart. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. And forgive me of all my sins. And forgive me of all my sins. In the name of Jesus we pray. In the name of Jesus we pray. And you can say in the name of Jesus I pray. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you something. The truth is that if you pray this prayer with open heart, you ask the Jesus to come in. He lives in you now. He will help you. It might be a process, but he will help you. And he will, like he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And I will tell you something. He loves you just the way you are. He will never, ever use anything what you ever done wrong against you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Milan. And what Milan said is true. God's word says that he takes our sins. When we ask him to forgive us, I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've murdered somebody or had an abortion or lied or stolen. If you ask Jesus to forgive you, he will forgive you. And he says, I will choose not to remember them anymore. So the enemy that we have, Satan, is a, it's a devil. He'll come along and try to remind you. Look at the terrible things you, you did. Just tell him to get lost in the name of Jesus. Because God's word says, I, will, I choose not to remember them anymore. And the other thing is, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. But Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. We do have an enemy, but thank God he, he's just like a, a, a burning match compared to a roaring flame when God is all powerful. And in the name of Jesus, we can command our enemy to back off and, and we can walk in victory in the name of Jesus. You've experienced that, Milan. That's a powerful testimony. You, you know, I cannot, I cannot take credit for none of that. Yeah. I cannot even take credit for standing up in the church at that time. That's right. I cannot take credit for nothing. He did it. He did it. He walked me out of communism. He brought me to this country. Yeah. And it was not motorcycles. It was a relationship it with Jesus really. Christ. Thank you, Milan. Thank you so much for inviting me. And that's the good news for today, folks. Thank you.